Welcome to the Antioch Word, a podcast for the Antioch College community. My name is Mary Evans, and I'm the 2018 Miller Fellow for WISO. The chirps and songs of birds have always fascinated me. So for today's episode, I decided to pay a visit to the Trailside Museum at Glen Helen. Emily Foubert is a cultural anthropologist that volunteers at the Trailside Museum and also facilitates the Bird Language Club. She explained how important the Glen Helen Forest is to her. Hi, yes, uh, my name is Emily Faubert. I am a naturalist over here at the Trailside Museum of Glen Helen, and I'm a volunteer. So I come in two or three times a week and um, help out uh, opening the Trailside Museum, which really is the face of the Glen for the public to come through and get to see some live animals that are uh, native to the woods here and love telling people about special places to go in the Glen and uh, sights to see and it fills me up to be able to share my love for the Glen because I grew up here and MJ Richland took me into the Glen when I was at the Children's Center and and then at the Antioch School all my teachers would take me into the Glen all throughout you know Jeannie Felker um, taking me into the Glen as a kindergartner all the way through Chris Powell uh, at the older group taking me into the Glen and into the Pine Forest and doing poetry or going down to the stream so to be able to uh, relay these these places to people and make that connection like yeah I'm from Yellow Springs and this is a really special place to me let me share it with you feels really good feels really good to come home and be able to do that. So you also do a few classes over here Um, could you tell us a little bit about the classes that you are involved with? Absolutely so I started a bird language club and it is my passion in life Uh, I have realized in the past few years that birds are a connection to me, to my higher power, my spirituality. When I'm outside connecting with birds, I feel at peace with myself, with the world. And if I'm doing it with other people, it feels really good. So my classes uh, every second Saturday of the month except June and October when we have street fairs. It'll be the third Saturday of the month, those months. There is a class, the Bird Language Club here, um, and from nine to noon. And during that club, I, I say club, because it's not a class. Yes, you'll come and learn something, but what I wanna do is train people in bird language so that we can share curiosities together. And so it feels like this community group. It's not, I mean, maybe I'm facilitating, but I'm not lecturing. It's not a lecture. It's a very hands-on participation oriented club. So what we do is I'll do a little bit of teaching about what bird language is. And I can share that with you in a moment if you'd like as well here for the listeners. And then we go outside and we do a sense meditation, tapping into and engaging all of our five senses and more. Once we engage all five senses, a sixth sense of all of them combined kind of starts prickling and permeating or like all around my skin, like I'm touching my skin as if like, (laughs) yeah. Um, I could feel it. You know, you just sort of sense that there's something behind you and you look or you sense that there's something up in the tree and you look and yeah, sure there is. Like that's the, the sixth sense. And then we go out and we sit all together kind of tucked in 
to the forest or the forest edge and the field. And we then sit for 10 minute periods or so. And we mark them so that when we come back together, we have um, a waypoint for what happened. And oh yeah, like halfway through the second period, there was that song, like the song kind of dissipated over there in the field. Oh yeah, 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 I heard that, says someone else. And so we can piece together the stories of what has happened on the land and what our senses have picked up and we get confirmed in our awareness and it feels so good to becoming fully alive as humans in our senses and letting go of all of the distractions and the things that separate us like cell phones and cars and just sitting and being outside with each other. We come back together and we tell that story and sometimes we map it and mapping it and seeing it on paper put down can connect things as being related. Oh yeah, that alarm over there was followed by, oh yeah, you heard those other alarms kind of nearby over to the right? Yeah, and then the hawk came in from this other direction, makes sense, and then everything got quiet. Those are all related. It's all related to the hawk. The message came first, alarm, 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 saying like an early warning system, yes, the hawk's coming, the hawk's coming, everybody watch out, (laughs) say the birds. And then in comes the hawk, everyone's silent. And then how long does it take for the forest to reawaken? There's also some naturalist classes and some eco um, camps and stuff that you guys do over here too as well. Is that correct? Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. I am not involved in them specifically, um, but I do know that they are... uh, is a smattering of options from ages, I want to say, 6 to 12 maybe even a couple years older than that. Um, And they're week-long programs throughout the summer where kids can come and be a part of their age group. I think it's like six to eight and eight to 10 and maybe even seven to 10. And then uh, there's like raptor camp where you learn how to take care of raptors. And there's, I mean, it was created with the zeitgeist of the 70s, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not I'm not too sure on this. So um, anyone listening out there who has been in the, you know, eco camp world longer than, than me um, as a child growing up here in the early 90s, please correct me. But um, I think it, they were brought along at, or maybe revamped in the 70s to have the conservation ethic, to instill a conservation ethic and science in nature. And now they are, yes, sciencey, but also turning more towards just nature connection, just getting out there, playing in the woods, being outside, playing in the creek, splashing around in the summertime, but also learning about the flora, the fauna, the natural history of the Glen. How do you think the Glen pretty much affects the community? The Glen was set up as a place to come and recreate and hunt and fish and that it wasn't set up as a preserve. It was set up as a place to enjoy nature. I just think it's really important to have nature in our backyard. You are listening to the Antioch Word. I'm Mary Evans and you are hearing my interview with Emily Foubert facilitator and volunteer at the Trailside Museum at Glen Helen. Next, Emily and I take a hike through the Glen in search of a red-shouldered hawk. So we're kind of like walking now. Yeah, (laughs) trying to find this red-shouldered hawk. Um, Yeah, well, bird language is paying attention to the behaviors and the vocalizations, all of the vocalizations 
of birds in order to see patterns that tell us about dangers that, or events that are happening on the landscape. Like there's the cardinal pair that just went that way. Hmm. I wonder why. Hmm. Um, and so the patterns are like shapes of alarm. And the shape is literally a like a, a parabolic or an umbrella or um, a hook, a bird going up, uh, down from the ground, hooking up into higher branch and looking back in the direction that it came. So these birds, they they have to, in order to survive, have an early warning system for predators. And oh, okay. so they broadcast to each other what's happening on the landscape. Like, oh, coyote. Oh, coyote's coming through. Pop up, alarm. Pop up, alarm. Pop up, alarm. All in a row as the coyote's coming through with a series of hooks that I just explained where the birds go from where they're comfortable up just a little higher and look back at where the danger is coming from, which is not a very, that's a mild alarm. And um, that's that's a series of hooks is called popcorn. So that's as an example. So if you see something like that, that might be a canine coming through versus a, a cat will have a an umbrella shape okay. around it literally the the squirrels might get in on this too um <laughs> because cats will eat a, you know they'll eat a baby squirrel the squirrels and the birds might will get in a umbrella shape just above the cat and move with the stalking cat and it's universal wow. bird language so a lion in africa will have the same shape of alarm that that umbrella as a house cat here in yellow springs wow one of the most fun things is to predict when people are going to be coming down the path. Oh, okay. So, um, actually, the path that we're taking right now, um, in the last bird language, Saturday morning, people, some of people's sit spots are just tucked right here off this path. Oh, okay. From the field. So we're in the glen from the field um, at the top of the steps. And over in, just tucked away in these fallen trees and are people's sit spots. They're, they're place that they like to go to time and time again. And they're form, they've formed a relationship with this spot. Like Elaine found a, had a snake come up and just hang out with her one time and she loved that. And Keith had these titmice come and get really close to him and he felt really connected with the titmice. So they wanna go back to that sit spot right yeah. here. And then, so one really busy morning, in May, when we had our bird language here, there was lots of traffic coming in and out of the far path, but not a lot here. And all of a sudden, they heard silence in the woods right here. And then, tick, tick, tick. They were like, what is that sound? They asked me when we were inside mapping. And I said, well, what happened next? They said, well, a runner came running up the trail. And then two people that weren't really aware of their surroundings, just talking, came up the trail after that. But that was really all the people that came. I said, do you think they're connected? And they said, yeah, yeah. So we connected those alarms and the silence to this fast moving possible danger coming up this trail. And it was just the runner. And it was the runner. So yeah. we can predict, right? Yeah. When there is going to be something coming up the trail, just based on these subtle patterns that the birds, of birds behavior cool. that they tell us. And the other thing is that all other animals are paying attention to the birds too. They have to. The deer pay attention to the juncos, which like to be on the ground. When the juncos are nervous, the deer look around. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll have to come check out the class and learn. I love that. And you wanted to tell us about some events that's happening on June 16th? 
Yeah. So there's the next um, Saturday morning bird language is June 16th. It's the third Saturday of the month again and nine to noon here at Trailside. And then after that, it'll be July and August, second Saturday of the month from nine to noon. Okay. Thank you so very much. That was me, Mary Evans, the 2018 Miller Fellow for WISO, speaking with cultural anthropologist and Trailside Museum volunteer, Emily Fubert, on the Antioch Word. You can find more episodes of our podcast at WISO.org, on NPR One, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts.